I want you to turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2 this morning, and I just want to echo what Tiffany has already said. Happy Mother's Day. And mom, I don't know if you're watching, but happy Mother's Day to you too. And then all the other moms. You know, I grew up in a neighborhood where, like, there were lots of moms, and like none of them had any trouble telling all the kids what to do. Everybody just took ownership of motherhood in my neighborhood. And, uh, and so, man, I'm, I'm fortunate. Like, you know, that's, it's just awesome. And in this room, we have so many of you that have, have made a difference, not just with your own kids, but you have invested in countless men and women and kids. Man, just thank you for that. Thank you for making a difference. Guys, can, can guys, can we give it up for the moms here in the room? Come on, put your hands together. Let's say thank you. And then take them out to eat, man. Don't let them cook or grill. Do something, man. I'm firing up the grill today. Actually, it's just a good reason. It's just a good excuse. I don't need much of an excuse, but it's going to be great. But, you know, I'm... I'm in the, we're in the middle here of series going through Jonah. So if you are new visiting... Man, I hate to let you down. Like, I'm not doing the whole typical Mother's Day message through Proverbs 31 or whatever. Uh, nothing wrong with that. But we're just, we're, we're plugging away. But I, I love what we're learning through this book of Jonah. And we're going to learn something today that I, I think is, uh, man, it, honestly, it's something we all need to learn. So, so last week, just to give you a little context, we ended with uh, Jonah being thrown out of the boat. He's, he's sinking the water. We were talking about the discipline of God that, that many times God's discipline is not intended. It's not in any way intended to break us, but to turn us. And so we ended with probably the most familiar part of the story, and that's chapter one, verse 17, right before you get into chapter two, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I'm gonna pause because we're gonna get into chapter two, but let me just say, you know, I had somebody stop me last week, and they're like, so why does everybody say Jonah and the whale? It doesn't say whale, and, and, and I agree. Um, it doesn't, but... Like if you break down the Hebrew, what has been translated great fish, literally what it means is great fish. I mean, that's exactly what, that's why King James Version, ESV, NIV, whatever, they're gonna say great fish. It doesn't say well, but we, we've tried to figure this out. All I know, we don't have a lot of specifics about the fish. I've had people tell me like, there is absolutely no way this could ever happen. Well, three weeks ago, I just saw a news story on CNN. In Australia, a guy got swallowed by a fish. Don't tell me it can't happen. It, it happens. But what I love about this, though we don't know the specifics about the fish, there was this really interesting verb that showed up. It says, God appointed the fish. Okay, hold on. So here's the deal. Jonah had no idea that God's calendar actually impacted his calendar. And on his calendar, there was like, uh, today I'm going to be swallowed by a fish. God said, there is going to be a fish, it's going to take care of you. Now this word appointed, this verb shows up several places. And in fact, it shows up probably four or five times in the book of Jonah. In fact, we'll see in a little while, chapter four, God appointed a vine to grow and then to die. And, and that's not for today, but just, just so you know, this was no accident that this fish happened to show up when it did. 
Now, we, you know, a lot of times we can get caught up in the specifics about this, but I don't want us to miss that God orchestrated a circumstance in history, and, and that's what God does. He orchestrates circumstances in history, and, and he had a lesson for Jonah to learn, but it was a crazy classroom in which he was going to learn this lesson. This great fish was part of God's plan to turn, to change, to prepare Jonah for what he was running from. Because this, you know, if, if you ever read the book of Jonah, Jonah is running from God. God said, I want you to go here. And he's like, no, I'm going to go there. He said, I want you to go up here. He's like, no, I'm going to go down here. He is running. And it's interesting because it's after he's been swallowed by the fish. So we get to chapter two. And Jonah prays a really, really interesting prayer here in chapter two. Look at verse one. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, and that's Sheol just refers to the grave, the place of the dead. It's, 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 it's the place that, that you go and you die. This is what they're, they're thinking. The, the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. He's, he's given this picture. He's, he's drowning. It's very vivid. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. We're going to come back. Is that verse 4? Man, when I, when I read this, I'm like, okay, I, I need to understand. I want to know more about this. And so we're going to ask some questions about verse 4 later. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. Man, very descriptive. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will repay. And he finally gets it. Salvation belongs to the Lord. In other words, you get to choose who you're going to save, who you're going to rescue. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited, man, that's... And it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. And there was probably a mom to clean it up the mess because that's what moms do. <laughs> and that ends chapter two. Now, now here, here's the thing. I, we've been looking about, you know, when, when God called, when God called uh, Jonah to Nineveh, he called him to go, to go it's this, it would be northeast up to, up to Nineveh. Now, what we know is that Jonah went the other direction. And it's just, there, there are word pictures that show up several places here in Jonah. And one of the word pictures I love is, is this idea of down. He went down. In fact, if you, if you look at chapter one, it, it talks about that after God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, which would have been going up, he went down to Joppa. It says that he went down into the ship. Later, it says that he went down into the depths of the ship. 
Now he's thrown overboard and, and he's taken down to a whole new level here. And, and so as he's sinking, as he's, he's remembering this, he's, he's in the belly of the fish, he's praying this, this prayer and, and he's vividly describing this, this whole thing. He's drowning. I don't know if any of, you, any of you come close to drowning before. I don't know if there's anybody else but me. Like I was swimming in Hawaii I was praying. I thought I was going to drown. I got pulled, got caught in a riptide. I thought for sure I was a goner. And, and you're in a desperate place. And he's saying, man, I, it's like I'm being swallowed by earth itself. He's talking about the weeds, the, the roots of the mountains. Like he is literally, it's a description. He is going down to the place of the dead. But I, I find it interesting that it wasn't until he got all the way down when he was finally stripped of his own self-sufficiency. I get to make the call. I'm gonna do what I'm going to do. It's, it, it was only there when he stripped of all of that that deliverance was possible because God wanted to reveal a fatal character flaw to Jonah that I'll guarantee you he was not even aware of. Just like, I, I wonder if maybe this morning there's some of us that have this same character flaw and we're not even aware of this. So what is a character flaw? It's this, I really don't need God's grace. Now we would never say that but, 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 but when, I'm, when I say, I don't need God's grace, it's like, I've got this. I remember when I was over in Kenya and we were, I was remarking over that we went to one of the worship services and, and the fervent praying that marked the service. I'll, I'll never forget that. And, and I, I was talking to Mary Kamau, one of our hosts, and, and I said, man, there's just there's something powerful in these times of prayer. And she said, she said, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but she said, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we really mean it because we understand that unless God gives us our daily bread, we're gonna not eat. And I think that it's so easy for us because of, of our self-sufficiency to get to a place like, you know what? I really don't need God's grace. I've got things pretty well figured out. In fact, I can make some choices. God's gonna be okay with this. But what God did was he took Jonah down to reveal something that had to be revealed for him to come up and go out and do what God had called him to, to be who God had called him to be. I am convinced, just even from, from not just what we read here, but we see this played out other places in scripture, we, but we see this played out in our own lives. Sometimes, Sometimes the greatest lessons are when we finally reach the bottom. But it's interesting because it's not simply being at the bottom that changes a person because there's a lot of people that if, you're, if we're gonna be honest, we hit rock bottom. It's what you do when you're at the bottom that makes the difference. It's where you, you turn. The, the, the desperate prayer that, that we hear Jonah praying, it makes all of the difference. And what, what Jonah's prayer reveals is that he had learned, even as he's dreading, he learned a few things about the grace of God. You see, when, it, when, it's, when, we, when we read, he says, I have been cast out. I have, I, uh, I have been, uh, when he said, you cast me into the deep, he didn't say the sailors cast me into the deep. He said, you cast me into the deep. In verse four, he said, I am driven away from your sight. He, he didn't feel those things when he was running, you know, doing his own thing. It was literally where, he hits the water. He's like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. I have no options left. Like, this is the end of the story. And he learns something about grace. And I think there's something for us to learn as well. Now, you guys know this. I, like, if you've been around the church or whatever, grace is the very essence of the gospel. Like, it's at the very heart of the gospel. 
I love the little, uh, it's a little uh, letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to church in Coloss, Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, uh, Paul, well, actually, it's the end of 5, you put 5 and 6 together. He said, the gospel has borne fruit in you since the first day you understood the grace of God. I like that. It's that whole the light comes on when I understand the grace of God, then there begins to be this fruit that comes from this. And I think a lot of times we just haven't understood the grace of God. We're moral people. We're good people in the sense that, you know, we try to measure up. I do more good, do bad or whatever. We have this like little scorecard that, that we try to measure where we stand. But until we understand who we are, we understand who God is, we understand the holy standard and understand that we desperately need God's grace, we miss it. But this amazing verse says, really the day that we begin, we grasp the, and begin to understand the grace of God, it's the day we're finally crossing over the line and we're able to put trust in this. We actually see who God is, what he can do. Now, there are a couple aspects that I wanna hit really quick about grace. And we're gonna see what this looks like applied to, to Jonah's life. The, the first is, is a very simple thing. This isn't gonna rock your world or anything, but I still want you to write this down. Grace is receiving favor you don't deserve. Grace is receiving favor you don't deserve. And, and so let, let, me, let me use this, uh, I don't know, let, me, let me use an analogy to talk about this. So uh, Cassidy, my daughter's getting ready to graduate from high school and we have, we've invited, uh, you know, family and that sort of thing. So we have family coming in from out of town and we've said, hey, you can stay with us. And so we're preparing the room and everything. So let's, let's just, okay, I, I'm gonna create this imaginary scenario. Okay, so family shows up, they get there and they, they ring, I, I got that ring doorbell, which by the way, I love that ring doorbell. And I don't like it just because of the security features. I love it because I get to terrorize my kids and it's amazing. I love when they're walking home, talking to them, I see the video and it alerts me like, hey, what are you doing? Cass like, dad, stop it. It is the best thing ever. Anyway, uh, I digress. But they show up, they, they ring door. I know it's them. It's not like some salesman or anything like that. And, and let's just say, I, instead of going down and opening the door, I just say through the, the speaker, what do you want? I'm like, uh, we're here, you invited us here. Well, I just invited you guys to come out. I, I didn't know that you were staying here. It gets real awkward real fast, okay? And they're like, well, we don't have any reservations. So I go downstairs and, and I open the door and, and, and I let them, I, they, they're standing on the porch, but let's just say I let them inside. We have this little entryway. We have a little closet here before you come. And, and I just block their entrance into the living room. And they're standing there holding their luggage in the entryway. And we're just having this awkward silence staring at each other. And they're like, well, we're, we're staying we're, we're supposed to be here. Where you invited us here. Well, here's, here's the thing. When I, when I think about grace, I think there are a lot of times that we don't understand that, that grace is, and I, I, I'm using this visual picture. Maybe this will this stick with us. Grace is God's divine hospitality in which he invites us in and he allows us to experience all that he's given. I, there are many times I wonder if we don't trust God's invitation to come in the house. We don't trust that, that 
this whole thing is, is actually good, that, that we're, we're not worthy and we're like, there is no way. No, 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 listen, when, when I have guests in, when they say, I, we're inviting them in, they're, they're part of the family. When we say, make yourself at home, like I literally mean, if you need something in the uh, fridge, open the fridge, d- d- I, have, I have zero problem with that. Make yourself at home. I mean, like, before you go to bed, I'm like, hey, is there anything you guys need before you go to bed? Do you guys need anything to drink? In the morning, like, hey, we're gonna make sure, here, you know, we'll, we'll feed you, you know, was it you know, hot, cold? What, what do you need? You need a fan in your room? We, we literally, we want to provide. Can I tell you that God, in his goodness, not because of our goodness, because of his goodness, has given us grace. And many times we have actually refused his gracious invitation. Now, let me flip around my little analogy of my family. Let's just say I've invited them in and, and I open the door. They ring the doorbell, open it. I'm like, hey, come on in, guys. I'm so glad you're here. And they're like, they just stand there. I'm like, no, seriously, come on in. And they just stand there. And I'm like, I man, we got your, your roommate up and, and everything. You're like, oh, you know what? Actually, we don't want to be a bother. You ever, you ever be with that person? They're like over the top. Like you literally want to bless them. They're like, oh, we don't want to be a bother. I'm like, shut up and come in and let me give you, I'm gonna feed you. Like, get in here. Like, like seriously, that is crazy. That, that you've had this invitation, you've come all this way, you've flown, you've got there. And then when you get there, you, you just stay on the porch. God is inviting us in. Jonah experienced the grace of God not because he obeyed God. He was not obeying God when he was cast overboard. He went down. He literally went opposite of where God was calling him. Here's what I know. There are many times that for whatever reason, we're scared or we think we're unworthy or whatever the case, I don't need to stay here. We don't come in. But, but, but what we do, we feel like an outsider. And what I know is all of us want to be on the inside. Sometimes we just don't want to admit it. You ever been to a party and you show up and like everybody went to school together and they all have these stories. You're the only one, you know, one person there and that's it. You ever, you ever gone to that party? I hate that, like, they're like telling all these stories and they're trying to explain to you and you know, you know they're just going overboard to try to keep you included and you appreciate the effort, but you're like already thinking, how can I get out of here? And you, you feel like an asset. You're not part of the, the stories. You don't know all of the references. I, I think there are many times when it comes to the grace of God, we want to be insiders, but we feel like we're outside and there are times that that we, we put these labels on ourselves that because of this, God's grace is, is for everybody else, it's not me. No, listen to me. God's grace is simply undeserved favor. We don't, we, don't, we don't deserve it, but he gives it anyway. And for us to stand on the porch when he's saying, when he's saying come in, it, it, it shows one of two things. It shows either that we're, we don't need what you have to offer which I don't think that's usually the case. A lot of times it's, I'm unworthy to accept what you have to offer. And yet God is saying, I want you to come in. I, I had a conversation recently. We, uh, we, we were at a conference and uh, somebody was talking to me and, and another staff member. And they, they said, you know, you, you guys were, you, you were raised different than I was. And I, man, there's sometimes I wish I was an insider like you are. And I'm like, oh, hold on a second, what do you mean? 
I said, you know, it just seems like you have this relationship with God because you were raised. I'm like, whoa, whoa, that has nothing to do with this. Where you were raised, where you come from, what you've done has absolutely nothing to do with God's grace being offered to you. God's grace is undeserved favor. And I wonder if at times that it's the people that we've grown up in the church and you have this moralistic idea of this is, I can earn this and I, I've, uh, God owes me. Sometimes I wonder if we have more trouble with this than a person that understands outside of the grace of God, I've got nothing. You see, grace is the beautiful thing that makes outsiders insiders, that makes rebels family that says, come on in. But there's a second aspect of grace that I want us to get, because the first part, we've probably heard that, grace being undeserved favor, we get that. But I want you to think about this. Grace is receiving favor, and I want to focus on the giver. Grace is receiving favor from someone unobligated to give it. So we get the fact that we're receiving, but, but a lot of times we don't think of the one who's granting this. So, so let, let me just use three uh, case studies. Okay, so, so for instance, you go in for a job interview, you're, you're given a uh, description, we want to hire you, you sign the contract, you show up for work, you work your first week, second week, and you know, after two weeks you get, you get your paycheck. When you get that paycheck, do you're like, oh, wow, I got Paid. Now, some of you like your first job, that is, that's, that's, that is real. But like, you expect to get paid. That's what you agreed to. So when you get that paycheck, you put in your 40 hours and uh, you, you know, 80 hours over the two weeks. Is, when you got that paycheck, was that an act of grace? No, you worked for the check. You are owed the check. Okay, so, so let me give you this, this example. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a couple guys or a couple of staff members that they had gone above and beyond. I'd asked them uh, to do some things. They got, they literally had gone above and beyond, put in a lot of hours above and beyond. And, you know, we've always told our staff, there are certain times where you go through things and uh, we go through seasons and you just sometimes put in more hours, different seasons, other, other weeks, not as much, but man, they got above and beyond. So, so after, after they done all this, I, I took them out and I said, man, I said, you pick the restaurant. We're, we're going out. I'm t- I'm t- I really appreciate what you guys did. And I, I picked up the check when I, when I took them out. I, it was a, me saying thank you. So l- let me ask you this. Was that, is that, is that grace? Is that grace? I mean, it's probably a yes and no part. No in the, it's not grace in the sense that, I mean, you are staff. You're, you got to get the job done. And, and, and I guess maybe it was grace in the sense that I wasn't obligated to that. I didn't have to take them out. But still, my, me thanking them, there was still this, it had something to do with performance. I was like, man, you guys did a really good job and I appreciate that. So I just found out I'm not a gracious person. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let, me give you, let me give you another example. So growing up in our neighborhood, we had, we had a lot of great neighbors, but we also had a really bad neighbor. And, and this, this, uh, this particular person, um, man, when he would get drunk, he was a menace. I still remember, I was like four years old, he tried to break in our house. 
my dad was gone, I still remember him trying to get in the, the house and having to call the police. There were multiple times that he would do crazy things. I, I remember I was probably nine, my brother was seven. We were out playing in the front yard and he was always one of those guys, if he even got near his, his property, he would scream and yell at you or whatever. This was a, not a nice guy. And on this particular day, we were just playing in the front, front yard. I, I don't know what set him off, but he came running out, just screaming at us, like spits coming out. He's mad, holding a shotgun, saying, I'm gonna kill you kids, just screaming at us. And we're like, and dude, we just like took off, ran, ran inside, slammed the door. My, and we just screamed, mom! Now, if, I don't know, some of you have met my mom. And if, like, if you met my mom, you're like, she is a very sweet lady. Very good-natured, quiet. Well, she's not quiet. She talks a lot. But you, you, like, you would meet my, my mom, and she, like, you're like, she's one of the nicest ladies in the world. Well, dude, I saw saw my mom. And I found out what a she-bear goes through when they're taking care of their cubs. Like, he is standing right there on the edge of our yard holding the shotgun. I've never seen my mom run before. She ran out that front door, got in his face and said, young man, you put that gun down. You're going back in the house. Don't you ever walk out and say that to my kids ever again or any, and I mean, like if he was drunk when she got there, he was sober by the time she got done. <laughs> and I still remember, man, he turned around and meekly walked in the house, slammed the door and I'm like, my mom's a rock star. I mean, that is like amazing. I'd never seen that side of her before. Terrible neighbor. But later, he gets cancer. My same mom that had no problem getting in his face when he was threatening was the same person that made meals and went over to this guy who was a jerk and said, if you guys need anything at all, we've got your back. How can we, how can we help? And, and loved and, and served and prayed. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. I was, I was actually ticked when she did that. I'm like, that, he's not our friend. We don't owe him anything. I remember thinking my mom is weak. Why would you do that? But what I've learned since is that what mom had was the strength that is given by the grace of God. And I saw a beautiful example of God's grace and action in which a person unobligated, there is absolutely nothing they've ever received or anything they're ever gonna receive from an act shows favor. That is grace. I'll tell you another example. I had a friend who years and years ago, their husband walked out, left her with the kids, didn't pay child support, literally said, I'm done, walked away. The grief, the betrayal, but then she struggled, raised her kids. Later, he gets cancer. And this lady... She does, did not have a victim or have some complex or whatever. One of the strongest ladies I ever said, saw, I saw love in action and grace in action. She said, I'm moving back in. And she moved back in with a guy that had betrayed her and cared for him until the day he died. Those, those are tiny pictures 
that maybe begin to open up our eyes to not just what grace is, but the God who gives it. And I, I want to pause. I want to pause here because if, in fact, well, I don't know the, the three, the three types of pe- people here. For, first of all, there are people who I truly believe you, your life is bearing fruit of the gospel because you've understood grace. And I am so grateful for that. And, and if that is you, I want, I want you to be praying the rest of our time together. I want, I want you to pray that there would be others whose eyes are open. Because I, I think there are two other people that maybe like me for way too long in my life. You're blinded to grace. You sing about it. You've heard it. You maybe you may even talk about it. You lead a Bible study about it or whatever. But somehow you've missed out grace. The, the, the one that says, I really don't need it. And so you don't come in when you're invited in. You, in essence, spurn the grace of God. But I also want to pray and speak to the person who, because of what you've done, you're like, there is absolutely no way that God would let me in. You've run, you've rebelled, and maybe even now, you've, you've hit rock bottom, but you're, you're, you're pretty convinced that God's written you off and he said, I'm done. I say this, I've said this probably maybe hundreds of times. I'm gonna say it again. If you're not dead, God's not done. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna close by sharing a few lessons about God's grace that we can walk away with. Some, some things I think will transform our lives. How many of you have heard of a country music group? I know I'm dating myself a little bit, but a country music group by the name of Oak Ridge Boys. Anybody ever hear? Oh, well, you're my kind of people. Let's do this. That's good. Okay, so, so here's the thing. The lead singer of the Oak Ridge Boys, Dwayne Allen, we have friends of friends, and actually three friends, We've kind of, you know, you've got to the place where we're Facebook friends. So we'll, every once in a while, we'll message or whatever. Well, the Oak Ridge Boys were in town a few few years ago. They were singing at the the Canyon County uh, Fair. And so I'd I'd reached out to Dwayne and said, hey, man, I said, I'd love to uh, touch base with you guys. And yeah, and so so we were were texting back and forth. And um, so I told him, I said, hey, you know, we're going to be there. Hopefully we can touch base. He said, man, that would be great. Here's the thing. I, I text back and I said, do we need a pass or anything to get back to, to see you? And, and it just was silent. And I'm sure they're doing sound check or whatever. So we, we show up. And in fact, uh, my buddy, uh, Philip Batten was with me. And, and I told Philip, I'm like, dude, we've been texting all day. I said, man, as soon as the concert's over, let's just go back there. I'm sure they'll let us back and we can get back there. And so we, we you know, enjoyed the concert. We, we head back there. And, um, and I said, listen, like if anybody stops, just act like you know what you're doing. They will let us in. I promise you they'll let us in. And uh, Philip was dumb enough to believe me. And so we just, we walk, we walk back, you know, I got all the tour buses back there. And so we're walking back and I'm, I'm t- literally texting like, hey, hey man, we're, we're on our way back and nothing, 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 nothing. And, uh, and so apparently there was a, a security guard that steps out and said, hey, uh, do you guys have identification? And, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you, like, I pulled the pastor card. I'm like, hey, I'm a pastor at Grace Bible Church. I've been talking to Dwayne and all that sort of thing. He's like, yeah, that's nice. He said, uh, where's your pass? I'm like, well, man, no. I said, Dwayne actually said that we're going to get together. I said, I can show you. He's like, I honestly don't care what's on your phone. He said, where's your pass? I'm like, well, 
I don't, I don't have one. I said, hold on a second. So I text him again, nothing. So we turn around and do the walk of shame. And I'm like, sorry, Philip. I thought for sure I could, I could pull that off. And like Dwayne, like at 11 o'clock, text back, oh man, I wish I'd have known. He probably really, he was like, I do not want to meet that guy. That's probably really what happened. But I, but I, th- I thought about that. Because dude, that was the worst thing to get up there and to think that you're going to have access and then get denied. I've thought about that. I've lived, uh, I've lived a lot of times with the thought that God's going to do that to me. That, that I, I'm gonna ha- I have this awesome invitation and then when I show up, that it's somebody, whether it's God or what, where's your pass? Where's your pass? Listen, there are no passes when it comes to God's grace. In fact, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, I want you to write down, I want you to write down this big point. It's actually pretty simple. Grace allows you into a place you don't have the right to be. Grace allows you into a place you don't have the right to be. Jonah did not deserve grace. Jonah did not deserve as he's drowned. Why in the world didn't God say, man, this guy's a loser. <laughs> I have tried. I said, like, he, he's taken off. I've sent a storm. You think I get his attention? They've thrown it. You know what? Drown. I'm done. I'm, I'm turning to somebody else. No. You see, there's some things that we can learn about God's grace. You see, what gives us access is something powerful. One, one of the first things that, that Jonah had learned, grace isn't cheap. Like if you have this idea that grace is God winking at sin and saying, hey, listen, boys will be boys. Rebels will be rebels, come on in. Listen, if you think that God winks at sin, dude, you, you're not gonna understand how amazing grace is. Until we understand the, the fact that a holy God hates sin, that, that's always, we're, we're gonna miss out on, on God's amazing grace. Grace isn't cheap. And that's why, man, I was reading this week and, and verse four jumped out to me. I told you, I, I wanna come back to this. I've read this probably a hundred times and for some reason, I never asked the why question. Why in the world does he say after I'm driven away from your sight, why did he say, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple? Why is Jonah thinking about the holy temple when he's drowning. Now I'm, I, in all fairness, man, I, I studied this, man, I, I went to many commentaries. I read a lot of guys that a lot, their brain power is much higher than mine. I, I did not find a, cons, an, a consensus to this. Now I found some people that kind of agreed with me, the thought that came to my mind. And so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna lay this out, but I will always wanna be faithful to say this is not on the text, Okay. But the holy temple represented something to the Israelites. The holy temple represented the, that's where God's presence dwells. In Jerusalem, it was, it was the city of God. The temple of God, they, they had a part of the, the temple. It was called the, the holy of holies. The holy of holies was, was a room that was only used, it was used one day a year. It was used on the Day of Atonement. In the Day of Atonement, there was only one person, the high priest that could come in and he would make sacrifice for the people of God. He would atone for the rebellion of God's people. Now in, in there, there is something called uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Guys, go ahead and throw the picture up. There was the Ark of the Covenant. Now in, in the Ark itself, it contained a few items, but, but most importantly, it contained the law. And, it, and, and the law was where, you know, every good Israelite, that, that was the holy standard that God had set forth. And the law is found there. But on top of the law, 
On top of this holy standard, this, this top gold slab there, that's the lid, that's called the mercy seat. You see the, the two angels there on top of the lid. And, and here, here's the significance of the mercy seat. On, on the day of atonement, when it was the day in which a sacrifice was made for the sins of the people, and the blood of the substitute, of the animal that, that was killed, the blood was sprinkled there. You're like, that is so weird. Now, hold on a second. It was, it was an atonement. It was sprinkled on the mercy seat. And, 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 and God, in spite of the wrath he could have sent because he is holy. And if God is truly holy, he must be just. If he's not just, he's not God. But he in grace responded and the sins were forgiven. If there was anything Jonah knew about the holy temple, it was that it was there that God showed up. And if, John, if Jonah had hope in anything, it was in the fact that God's steadfast love endures forever. His grace never gives up. Jonah's confidence could only be as he's looking as he's drowning, I'm gonna look again to your holy temple. God, I'm convinced you're not done. Now Jonah had no idea that several years, hundreds of years later, there's gonna be a perfect lamb, Jesus Christ, that's gonna come, that's gonna die on a cross. And literally the reason we don't have all of the the sacrifices and we go through all the ceremony and rituals that we read in the Old Testament is because, as we've read, once and for all, Jesus died. His sacrifice was enough for everyone for all time. Literally, his sacrifice, his blood, it anchors our hope in God's grace. And just as Jonah was looking to the temple and as, as, when he's sinking to the bottom, Listen, if you have been running, your only hope, my only hope is to look to the cross which anchors our hope in the fact that we serve a good and gracious God. I'm telling you, church, God is not done. And what, what we read is as he gets to the bottom, the only place we see Jonah expressed gratitude in the entire book. We're gonna keep on reading in three and four. And you're like, did the guy really learn anything? The only time that we see him understanding and, and, and expressing thanksgiving in any way was when he encountered the grace, the undeserved favor of God. God, who was not obligated to show it, gave it. And he says in verse nine, but with the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Listen, he was running because he did not want God to, to, to rescue and to allow the, the Ninevites to repent. He hated those people. He, he doesn't want God to save them. He finally got to the place that he understood that he, it wasn't, that he needed saving as well. He needed rescued. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I, I like how R.T. Kendall put it. He said, the belly of a fish is a terrible place to live, but it is a great place to learn a lesson. 
And what Jonah learned is that God was not done, that he needed grace. And the doctrine of grace very simply is this, no human being is so good that they don't need grace and no human being is so bad that they can't find grace. And when it comes to receiving God's grace, I'm gonna give you the ABCs and I know it's cheesy, I can't help myself. The ABCs of receiving God's grace are this. We just have to admit that we need it. Admit that I've sinned until, until we can get to the place that I've sinned. And we, we, we just gotta stop with the justification, the rationalization. I can still do it. No, we have to admit. We can't blame, we can't excuse. We just say, yeah, I, I need grace. You admit it, but then you believe. And the belief is that we, we, we believe that God is fully able. He's not only able to deal with our sin, but he is able to cover our sin, to set us free from our sin, to give grace. He's that good. But it doesn't just stop with the admit and the believe. There's this little part in verse eight that's jumped out to me. Another, another thing that I broke down. I could spend so much time here, but, but I, the, the C part is this, crush your idols. It was interesting because in verse eight, Jonah said, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Now, he could have been talking about many different things. He could have been referring to Ninevites. He could have been referring to the pagan soldiers that threw him overboard. We, we, I don't know for sure what he's, what he's saying, but, but, I, but there is truth in what he says. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. We can't, hope, we can't hope in the steadfast love, this grace of God that never ends if we don't turn. And some of us for far too long have put, we've been believing in our self-sufficiency. We need, we literally need to crush the idol of self-sufficiency. Some of us have been holding on to the idol of, 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 of this, man, I'm, I'm a victim. I'm always gonna be a victim. Or, or, or man, because of, because of it, we've almost wallowed so long in our victimhood or in our shame that we won't let go. We've actually, we can't imagine life without my shame. And so we live in, our, in what we know. Some of us need to crush the idols of those things that are keeping us from admitting that we need God. We chase after things that we think are gonna satisfy. We chase after, man, if I, if I just have this, or I, I, we chase feelings, we chase all of this. I need this. No, no, no. You and I need grace. And the only way to encounter grace is to admit it, to believe it, and to crush the idols that keep us from experiencing it. And I'm convinced today that, man, for, for those of you that, like Jonah, have been running, God's not through with you. He's not done with you. On Mother's Day 2022, I want you to know that grace is still available for you today. You're never so good that you don't need grace. You're never so bad that you can't find grace. And Father, as we close this service, I'm so thankful for your amazing grace. When John Newton wrote the words to that incredible hymn years ago, Lord, I don't even know that he had experienced it for sure but he couldn't have understood how powerful those words would be, how they would far outlive him and become a theme of describing the great God that we serve. Lord, I'll guarantee you that there are people who like me have many times run from you. Maybe there are those who are running from you right now. And because of that, God, they're, they're convinced that you're through with them. I know you're not. Would you reveal that to them?
Maybe there are those who have hit rock bottom. They know that they've sinned. They can admit it, but, but they're convinced that you would never bring them back, that they're always going to be an outsider, that they're going to get to, if they get to heaven, it's only going to be by the skin of their teeth. God, what I love is we don't get to heaven by the skin of our teeth. We get to heaven because of the sacrifice Christ made on the cross for us. And I pray that they would realize that today. And God, if there's somebody that, that just needs to turn to repent, that they're proverbially in the the belly of a great fish. I'm praying that as they cry out for you, you would answer them as you answered Jonah. That God, that you would deliver, that they would experience your grace, not just to rescue, but to propel them forward. And a God, just, just turning from the sin, confessing, admitting their, their need of you, I pray that they would receive the grace that you have. And God, for what you're gonna continue to do in and through your people as we learn, as we comprehend this great grace and that we live in light of that. I wanna thank you for how it's gonna transform our lives. We love you and I pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. It is so good to have you guys here on Mother's Day. Listen, if you want to take next steps, maybe you're like, man, I don't even know what it looks like to receive that grace. Man, look me up. I'll, I'm gonna be back there around the next steps wall. I'll, I'll, jump, I'll, I'll go around the back and, and be back there or, or drop, grab somebody with an orange name tag and they'll get you to a pastor. We'd love to pray with you. But guys, go in peace. Mothers, happy Mother's Day. Get your fancy snack mix. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.